Hey guys, welcome back to the Catch Up Time podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa McDonald, and if you're new here, welcome, welcome. If you listened before, I'm so glad you found your way back here today. My hope is that you find this conversation uplifting and that it puts a pep in your step as you go about your day. On this show, we'll shine the spotlight on real people just like you and me. You'll get to listen in on real conversations amongst friends as we explore an array of topics and take the discussion in any direction we choose. Along the way, we'll uncover truths and life lessons that we can all relate to and apply in our own lives. Knowing that we're not alone is incredibly powerful, and hearing how others have pivoted and adapted is inspirational. Join me each week as we discover new possibilities to grow, to be better, to be more productive, and to live happier, more fulfilling lives. Check out my Instagram and follow me at ketchup underscore time, like the condiment and the herb. (laughs) And be sure to hit subscribe to the Ketchup Time podcast, where you'll find some brightness and positivity to light up your day. All right, let's get started. Today, we're hanging out with Brian Cooper, who's been living in Washington, D.C. for the last 18 years and has had a front row seat to events as they're happening in our nation's capital. He currently works for Avalier Health, a healthcare consulting firm, having previously worked for Bloomberg. Brian's married to my cousin Kim, and they have two little boys who are probably listening to this right now. Hi, Micah. Hi, Rafi. (laughs) Brian and Kim have been in the weeds of pandemic parenting since March of last year. They have both transitioned their jobs to full stay-at-home status, along with their kids who have also switched over to remote learning since last year. We'll explore how they've managed to avoid a negative mindset and instead learn to stay safe while doing the things that bring them joy and happiness. As you'll soon hear, Brian is passionate about all things government and politics. His experience living in D.C. during the COVID pandemic and recent election cycle give us a glimpse at what life was really like during the roller coaster of 2020. We'll dive into how D.C. is fighting for its statehood, and you'll get a lesson in U.S. history. So by the end of the show, you'll know why D.C. was not originally formed as a state. Be sure to take notes because there will be a quiz at the end. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You can find Brian on Twitter at bcoopdc, as well as on Instagram and LinkedIn. I'll provide links in the show notes along with everything else that we discussed here in this episode. So here we go. I hope you enjoy this look into a typical American family living in D.C. and adjusting to life in this new COVID world. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Catch Up Time podcast, Brian. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, We have a lot to talk about today, and you provided quite an extensive list of topics that we can cover. And I, uh, I said this before and I'll say it again, but I appreciate the level of enthusiasm that you bring and have brought to this conversation. So we can dive right into it. You're in DC now, and that's where you and Kim, who is my cousin, where you guys have lived for a long time. How long have you guys been out there for? That's right. Well, you know, thanks for having me. This is really very much looking forward to this conversation. So uh, yes, I am married to your cousin, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kim's been here since the late 90s when she went to college. And I moved here after college in 2003. Uh, and we met in 2004, got married in 2007, and been living in DC, you know, that whole time. So the rest is history. What you guys, I mean, you grew up in uh, Kansas City. So what made That's you right. move out to DC? I came to DC in eighth grade, like a lot of people do in, in their their eighth grade trip. And I really love the, the city, the monuments, the excitement of everything. And, you know, I guess spiritually I never left. 
since eighth grade. But uh, my senior year of college, I did internship with uh, the governor of my home state, Kansas. I went to University of Kansas. Uh, Kansas uh, Republican governor worked for him for uh, a semester. Just really enjoyed being in the in the halls of the state capitol and seeing things that were happening and moving along. And thought, you know, I really want to I want to move to D.C. and find a way to get there. And came out and and looked at jobs, maybe working in Congress as like a you know entry level thing, and saw that very little money is made and you have to get a new job every two years if your person doesn't get reelected. But I knew I wanted to come to DC. So eventually I made its way there through some other jobs that I had, you know, just been in the city. It's it's a city that I enjoy being in and hopefully that everybody can come visit again when uh, our, our current public health emergency is over. Uh, most certainly. We had the best time there. We went out, what was it, four years ago, five years ago, when Josh was still living there, my brother. That's right. Mark and I had just like three or four days exploring the city, and we got to enjoy all of the museums, the ones, I mean, they're free, so mm -hmm. like, why not go, and they're beautiful. I mean, there's four different ones. Yeah, it, it, the Smithsonian's are amazing. Yeah. And the newer ones, the ones for the uh, American Indian Museum, mm -hmm. is really good. And the newest one is the uh, African American History Museum, oh, I which I got to go to on March 13th, 2020. If you remember, that was like the last day before everything was done. So I yeah. kind of went through that because I knew that things were going to close yeah. Uh, yeah. that following week. It's crazy what it's been. I mean, almost a year into this and who would have, could have ever imagines that we'd still be here a year later. I mean, you guys were living in the epicenter of all this like political craziness this last year. I mean, between, you know, everything going on in the White House, all the different protests and, and things happening amidst this pandemic. Can you share what your experience was like living in the middle of all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I should start out with this for your, for your listeners to know the perspective of living in DC. It's a city that is yeah, 92 to 95% Democratic. The circles I run in, liberally, you know, democratic oriented, and that's the perspective of it. So when living in this city, and even before the pandemic, President Trump would send out an errant tweet, and you may not think anything of it, but let's say it bashes China or bashes South Korea for something. We have neighbors and friends who have worked their whole careers in the State Department, working on Korea issues, and then all of a sudden there's a tweet, is that an official statement of the government? And they're scrambling to talk to their counterparts to either say, hold on, we gotta figure this out. And it, it affects real people in, in those, those things. You think, oh, the president's being funny and making a joke or this, but you don't know if that's a joke and that affects trade and that affects, you know, let's take South Korea, for example, are Hyundai's gonna be slower to get to the United States now because South Korea could slow down trade because they think tariffs are coming or, or what, what have you. It shows the perspective that uh, affects when policymaking or things are kind of delivered by tweet. So just wanted to stipulate that at the at the top here. No, no, I'm glad you said so. I mean, it's like you said, the circles you run in are all so closely tied to the government in some capacity. And then to see what somebody who's just read a tweet somewhere and how does that affect you in your day to day? For example, here in Florida, like, well, I mean, I read it and I scroll on by and I go about my day, but in somebody's shoes that's actually working for the government, now they have to actually figure out, was that, like you said, the actual perspective of the government and how does that affect our relationship with this country, et cetera, so. Yeah, um, but but to get to your question, kind of living, you know, amidst the pandemic in the past year, being in DC, you know, I work for a healthcare consulting firm and, you know, while I don't, I'm not an epidemiologist, <laughs> I get to talk to a lot of them 
Um, and <laughs> you, you know, we start hearing things like, okay, this could get really bad. It's, it, it's, and it was contradictory to what some parts of the government were saying, which was, you know, stay calm. This is fine. This is nothing. It'll, it'll all go away soon. Mm -hmm. uh, we started seeing some more cases and more warnings coming out, you know, either through official or unofficial channels. Um, and it was like everybody, it was, it was a shock. It, it was tough. Um, you know, not only kind of seeing how our government was reacting to it, but also just the day-to-day -day lives, just like everywhere, schools went remote. And, you know, we have two small children. They started the pandemic in third and kindergarten, and now they're halfway through fourth and first grade. And it was a, it, it was a time where you were kind of running on adrenaline a little bit um, of like, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's figure this out. Let's see what we can do uh, uh, for that. And, and living here in the, in DC, you saw just everything almost overnight stop. The traffic, which is notorious around here, stands still. Mm -hmm. The metro, our subway system, uh, pretty much went to a limited service schedule. And it was saying, you know, are you an essential worker? Come on in. If you're not, go home. Um, and while DC didn't get hit as bad as New York in the spring, it's still you know, it's a city where a lot of people still come in and out. You know, Congress was considered an essential service, so they were still people coming in and out. And, um, but, you know, I recall in you know, early April going on a run on the National Mall and it was empty. And it's usually teeming with tourists and students and people coming to explore. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, getting through that springtime with the kids here at home, the schools figuring out virtual learning uh, it, it was a it was a shock. It was a shock to see um, see that happen. But what what we did as as neighbors, a lot of our neighbors have kids in the same age range. Is once we realized we could be you know, outside and doing things you know, distantly, we would sit. You know, the weather started to get warmer. We'd sit in our in our street. You know, buses weren't running as much. There wasn't much traffic, so we'd sit on the street, six feet apart, have evening cocktails. The kids would run around distance. So. And that's something that still continues to this day, even in the in the winter up here. Um, you know, we're just bumbling up and doing it. So yeah, Kim said, if it's not raining, <laughs> we go outside. <laughs> that's right. Even if it's dark out. That's right. So yeah, so that's that's what it's been like from a you know pandemic point of view. And uh, you know, I, I, I guess to say the thing is, Dr. Fauci lives about two miles from me. Is that right? <laughs> Your neighbors? It, well, no, not not really neighbors, but you know, close, closer than most people. Well, I was going to say two miles is a lot closer than we are in distance. Though. That's correct. <laughs> so the, the big the big thing is is you know celebrity spotting in DC is is which center did you see at the airport or who did you see you know did you see a cabinet officer out uh, out at dinner? But during the pandemic, it was it was known that Fauci and his wife walk or run almost every day. Yes. So that was the thing was did you see Fauci? Could you see Fauci when you were uh, you were out running? Um, did you ever see him? But, no, no, I've no. I've seen on the he was on CBS Morning News on like Sunday a few weeks ago, and he I guess has a personal detail like everywhere he goes, just yeah. because you know because of the world we live in, and you know. And so if it's not icy out, we'll go out. We uh, we were able to take the kids sledding with our neighbors, and it was funny, you know, pandemic parenting. You're around your kids the whole time, and I love my children. However, it's it's nice to. Get a break, but let's just say there are lots of over enthusiastic parents pelting their kids with snowballs. 
for a little bit. <laughs> they're, they're looking for any reason to have a snowball fight. <laughs> right, exactly. That's cute. No, it's completely true. I love my son as well. And I have enjoyed so much all of this time with him and getting to know him on like a different level than I think I ever did before. And maybe it's just because he's growing at such a rapid rate these last, mm -hmm. you know, couple of months this last year. But holy moly, when we got him back in school, life changed. It was like, oh, oh, I can just like do what I want this afternoon. What? What is that like? Right. <laughs> I, I forgot what that was like. And, you know, for all those stay-at-home moms and dads out there right now, especially like you guys, I mean, the fact is you have been working this entire time from home, the two of you, and your kids are at home with you doing virtual school. That's right. You know, I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, I hear, I hear them talking to their teachers and their their classmates and you know one side of the conversation of it but it's it's like peering into the classroom so we're seeing right. their kids <laughs> struggle and grasp with a concept that we would never see there's new studies from the cdc out that schools can open and there's lots of questions about how to do it and the resources needed to do it and i think obviously it's better for them to be back in uh, when it's safe and when they can at, at the full capacity but for the time being you know our kids are in dc public schools and the They've done a really good job with virtual learning the best they can. Um, again, it's not ideal and our kids are doing fine with it, uh, but it's really, really, it's it's neat to see them talk and our, our first grader talking about, you know, he's saying, no, no, fellow classmate, you need to unmute so we can we can hear you. And like, <laughs> oh, I like I like your virtual background. It's, it's, they're so oh my God. advanced. And my first grader, he's attaching PowerPoints and submitting his assignments this way and yeah so it's it's just a it's incredible acceleration of so many things that they're learning yes i mean and not for nothing your kids have always been very technologically savvy i have a nice memory of yeah. um micah like literally deleted i was going the next day to look for a bank app and i was like where did it go and i was like oh micah deleted it <laughs> i gotta go back in. what else did he do on there <laughs> yeah before facial recognition and i was like oh i gotta be right. better about my uh, password there okay <laughs> exactly so one of the things micah did when he was i think two or so he somehow changed um you know um, every month we put a, a, a little bit of money in his college account and his brother rafi's account and we get the alert from Fidelity when it says, you know, this many dollars has gone to this account. Somehow Micah changed uh, the Fidelity name of the email to okay. Booby Cell, like your grandmother, Booby. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so every month, and, and for everybody, their Booby passed away in 2013, but every month I get two emails from her saying that money, she, it's like, it's like she has put money in oh my Micah and Rafi's college fund. You never changed it. That's amazing. No, because it's it says Bubby Cell, oh. you know, money transfer for college. Oh, beautiful. That's a sweet story. No, but I want to I want to like talk more about the pandemic and like how the kids have really um, transitioned and, and been able to adapt to it. I mean, they're so resilient. It's really quite something and, and really remarkable that teachers and kids alike have made this work and it's just it just goes to show you like they're more resilient than we give them credit for yeah they, they really are and you know i think one of the things early on kim and i we didn't hide from them what was going on in the world we wanted to make sure we were getting them accurate information before they talked to their friends about things um and make sure that they had the accurate information so if they heard something that was not true that they could correct it or ignore it or tell us back like i heard our friends say this 
what does this, this mean? This is true. Yep. So, you know, we we learned about the coronavirus. We, you know, factually, you know, talked about like, you know, it started in, in Wuhan, China, in the city, that city locked down and then spread to Italy and then, you know, a little bit on the West Coast and then mainly New York and, and here. And, and in order for us to stop it, we have to stay home. And it was stuff that we try to do. And, and you know, again, you know, for, where we live early on, our mayor, and I'll get to why how DC is set up uniquely in a, in, a, in a little bit, probably later in our conversation, but our mayor put in a mask mandate early and we were able to get some masks. Um, my, mom's, my mom sewed and mailed some, and then we you know, yeah. got someone's supply was up again in like April. Uh, but the kids took the masks very easily. They wear it very well. They are, you know, very quickly, the kids learned about, you know, keeping six feet apart uh, from others and, you know, outside there than inside uh, for things. So, uh, you know, it, it was it was something that they, they've adapted to it really well. And, you know, even when like our neighbors are uh, foreign diplomats and well, the, the parent had to go back overseas during the pandemic and our sons became friends with, with their son and, because of that travel, he had to quarantine for, you know, a few days. And it was kind of like, oh, Lucas has to quarantine. Okay. Like, so they, get it. they, they would get hang it. out on video, play video games together, even though they're like literally next door. That's um, or they would talk through a window at a distance. Um, Brilliant. Love and it. so it's, it's one of those things where you adapt and they've learned, you know, when they get done with their virtual school, the day they play video games with some of their classmates on teams or zoom and at first it's like why are they playing video games this is ridiculous they should just like go to and i realized this is the equivalent of them hanging out in the hallway with their friends mm -hmm. after school yeah. and you know it's one of those things where well, let's just say i know when school time ends because i i hear a lot more enthusiastic <laughs> no you play this part of minecraft no meet me in this room meet me over here oh my God, this minecraft is taking over they're all like team building is that um or it's team building it's it's uh trying to accomplish a mission uh -huh. together but it's you know the kids will like hop on a zoom on one computer and play on another computer where they're all and they're chatting to each other live either that or on google chat oh my god it's it's a you know, there's a saying, it was like, you want to know who your kids really are, listen to them play video games. <laughs> and it's been interesting hearing Micah and Rafi, they're, they're like, I hear the one side of it, they're like leaders. They're like, you know, Ben, go over here. Ian, where are you? Come on back, come back, help me. Oh my God. Or, or I think Alex is the imposter on, on Among Us. And it's, so it's skill building and, you know, so you're hearing some of these traits uh, that they're doing. It's, it is definitely, you know, to some degree educational. They're learning, especially if we can't be physically together, then this is a way to be working on a team and collaborating. And even if it's, you know, it, it's a game and and to kids, that's what they need. That's like the best way for them yeah. to learn is through play. So, so when do they think that schools might reopen in DC? I mean, here in Florida, they're open, right? but right. it was an option to go back or not. Yeah. Is it not an option at all by you? So uh, this is where things get a little politically dicey, I think. When, when Trump was president and he and then the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos said, open the schools and there was very little guidance. In more democratic cities, more areas where there's you know higher concentration of people, it was a little more resistant because you could say, well, Trump's for it, so we're against it. And you had political cover. And a lot of people kind of were like, yeah, right. I, we don't trust this president, this administration with the safety because they want to make a political point, all that. 
that era is over. Joe Biden's president, the CDC came out, just came out with more studies. It's been a longer time. Cases are declining a little bit. Um, you know, we're here we are talking mid-February and we've we're past the big peak from January. So we're hopeful that everybody can get aligned and get some some semblance of in-person schooling back by April, which is when the next term starts. Um, mm -hmm. Schools could here go September through middle of June um, for their year. So that's kind of a goal where it is right now in DC, the district is allowing schools to say, okay, let's say a school can usually hold 400 students. You can have 200 students, go ahead and figure out how you can do it right now. And some bigger schools can, you know, have bigger staffs where there's flexibility, but you can't really have like a PE teacher teaching fourth grade or a third grade teacher teaching music, depending on the need uh, because of skills and ability and, and what, our school decided, and this is you know, kind of, we prioritize keeping the same teacher throughout the year to minimize the disruption, because even right. if they said, okay, everybody can go back, but um, say the teacher, she he or she has an elderly parent living near them or doesn't want to do that, then they couldn't continue with that student. So all these layers and inputs and the, the, our principal is just, she's, she's amazing in trying to calibrate all these levers of what she can do yeah, uh, to get yeah. things going for that. So, you know, look, we're hopeful. Um, more vaccinations are happening. Um, it is, I'm very pleased, here we are again, mid-February, that there's about 2 million vaccinations a day. Um, they're going into people's arms. I know your mother is doing some great work in South Florida. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I feel like for everybody who, we're, we're getting close to a point where what I've been reading lately is that by late March, early April, um, there'll be a lot more supply in there and we're getting distribution down very nicely. And uh, I know you asked about schools, but you know, for, for vaccinations, it's, yes. it's interesting to see kind of around the country where, where some people are getting vaccinated to draw people out. I know I had a, uh, a friend of mine here, his parents live in Charlotte and they did uh, on Charlotte Motor Speedway, a drive-through vaccination site. So you got to drive on the track. I asked him, so did your dad love it? He said, well, he drove like two miles an hour while he was just like driving up. <laughs> How fun is that? I know the NFL is going to use their stadiums for mass vaccination sites. You know, it's like sprint 50 yards, get your shot oh at the 50 yard line. And, but yeah. Oh man. Yeah, no, it's incredible. The ingenuity of it. I, I tell my mom every day when she works and she does this, that you're a superhero right now. Like you're doing like, she is. you're doing like such a beautiful, it's a mitzvah. It really is. And you know, it really is. Um, mitzvah is, you know, a term that we use in our Jewish culture, but I mean, a mitzvah is just a good deed, something that's, you know, spreading, you know, goodness into the world. And that's what she's doing. And anyone who's out there in the medical field who has been working, I mean, goodness, and teachers, there have been so many stories that have come out of this where you realize who is making a difference in your everyday life. You know, we, mm -hmm. we, we play such, um, value on you know celebrities and and high up politics all these you know people who really aren't really affecting us or part of our life and during this pandemic we realized too was really essential our you know healthcare workers our grocery stockers like yeah. our farmers providing food and it's just in, it's just been a time of real um realization it is yeah. so well said well, well i mean said. it's definitely uh, been an interesting year no doubt about it but it's it's been encouraging to see some of the developments in just the science and how, you know, just over a year ago, this disease didn't exist. And now there's, you know, almost 10% of the United States is inoculated against it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, have had their first shot. 
be, be clear, have had their first shot. But in a um, few short weeks, we'll have had their second dose, and at that point, we'll be back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I think the most encouraging thing I've seen is uh, Sanofi, my former employer, back. You know, they're a French-based company. They had a vaccine candidate for COVID, and they make other vaccines, you know, flu, you know, other other you know diseases that we all know and hate. <laughs> um, but they had a vaccine candidate uh, for COVID that did not go well. Um, and so what they did was, you know, now that Pfizer's is out there and working, the Sanofi announced that they're going to allow Pfizer to use their manufacturing facilities for their drugs. Brilliant. Um, so they've worked out a deal where there's, obviously it's a business deal, so there's money and you know royalties and all things involved, but it's just nice to say, hey, we have this capacity Let's let's do this yeah. to work on this together. Yeah, um, and that's that's something I think is uh, is good and and exciting. Yeah, the, uh, the industry. I mean, that's just it. Like even during you said, you know, when there was a shortage of masks in the beginning of all of this. Like I remember reading that. Like wasn't it Hanes, the t-shirt company, started producing masks in bulk because it was like all hands on deck and it was, you know, you turn any facility and any, you can just put a new pattern in and here we go. We now we're making masks. We just instantly pivot into a new direction. Um, and that's, what's been exciting to watch, like all these different industries that have really, really changed. Um, you and Kim took a road trip a few weeks ago, but you stopped uh, by us along the way. And it was really fun to see you guys. Like it was, it felt like the first time in a really long time, there was like a little bit of normalcy. Yeah. And yeah, we were wearing masks and we all stayed apart and we had two separate dishes. You know, I made lunch. We, well, we brought in pizza, but you know, I made salads and I had two separate salad bowls for all of us to like, you know, each family had their own. And yeah. But it was like the first, uh, first bit of normalcy I felt in a really long time. I agree. And that's the thing that we've been trying to do during this time is like, don't think what you can't do. Cause we know that's always there. Think what you can do. It's like, you know, we, we knew we were in you know Florida to you know visit Kim's parents uh, after a quarantine and a test and driving in one shot from DC to central Florida, 13 hours, by the way. Yeah, you guys are nuts. Uh, with two kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I wrote this really long memo about how to, we're going to quarantine and do this. I was very proud of it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like my, my my public health, like, nerdiness. Was this to the kids? Who was this directed towards? It was directed to all parties. So <laughs> student <laughs> Sheila, uh, Kim, my kids. It was like, this is the last day you can go to a restaurant. It's like, well, what about a grocery store? Yes, you can go to a grocery store. What about going to a friend? No, you cannot go to a friend's house. Yeah. We will not be going to a friend's house. Mm -hmm. We will not be going outside with our friends, you know, this until this time. We have, we, our test is this day and all that. So again, it's kind of what you can do. Mm -hmm. And so we can go to Florida. We can see our extended family. We, ha we have to take these steps. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, like you alluded to, you know, we came over to your home for, for lunch. Great, we can do that. How can we do it? Well, let's- How can we do it safely? Yeah. Do it safely. You know, Mark and I played catch with the football. At a distance, yeah. At, at a distance, and that's 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 wonderful. We have to spend time with each other. And I, I think that's where we're headed as the part of the country that's not Florida. The weather will be getting warmer in <laughs> a couple of months. And, you know, everybody want to be together again. And we've had a year of living like this. And so it's one of those things, yes, we can't have you over for for drinks or a lunch or or everything. We can be outside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think there'll be Nationals baseball games with full capacity anytime soon um, for that. But it's it's 
again, what can you do? How can you do it safely? So you can get the joy of of these things. With two other families, we rented a movie theater. What? Uh, you could rent a movie theater? Yeah. We rented a movie theater. So like each family was like 30, it was like $130, $120. So like among three families, it was like 40 oh bucks, God. which $10 in admission for a movie, like that's about the going that's rate incredible. anyway. Yeah. And so we had just the 12 of us in this theater, you know, kids sat in their own row spaced apart. We sat spaced apart from our, our, our friends. Uh, it was School of Rock from, you know, 2003. Oh, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had never seen it. Oh, it's um, a good movie with Jack Black. But yeah. it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, in that movie, there's a scene where, like, they're all crowded in this, like, concert hall mm-hmm. for, like, the Battle of the Bands. And all of us, even the kids, like, just, ugh, I know. Just, like, shuddered. It's crazy. The crowds, yeah. When you think of, like, what life was before, and I don't know, will we ever feel, I never really liked going to, like, you know, we have cousins who would go to, like, outdoor festivals, and they'd all be, like, smooshed yeah. and sweaty together. Gross. I didn't like that yeah. before, but even now, after this, I would definitely not, do not, well, I would, you would not find me at one of those festivals, we'll say that. I really hope that, when people stand in line for things after the pandemic's over, I really hope we keep six feet apart because yeah, it's kind of like, nice. Remember how many times like you'd be in line and somebody like breathes behind you and like you feel in the back of your neck? No, yeah, or they bump into you. It's like, bro, back up. What the heck? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Well, a lot of these things, and you know, we have a friend who is very, um, I don't want to, I don't know, realistic, but has just from the get go said like. These are probably things and these changes that have been going on are things probably we should have been doing all along, wiping down tables and sanitizing yeah. handrails and washing our hands and not being out in public when we're sick or fe- not feeling well. It's like, these are things we probably should have been doing all along anyway. It just brought a hyper, a heightened awareness to it, Yeah. you know, and, and hopefully maybe that's like the takeaway and, and what the world needed. I don't know, like a wake up call in that exactly. regard. I know, you know, inauguration day in any year is a uh, is an exciting time here in DC. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, for this and and this year, you know, as alluded to earlier, it's a very democratic city. People were very excited that the, the Trump presidency was, was ending uh, for that. So, what did we do? It was relatively cold, but one of our friends we we called their COVID screen. They have a big outdoor projector now. Oh and, yeah. Um, and so we went over to their home, you know, it was a day off school for everybody. So we were outside. As it should be, not here. Should, yeah. I don't understand. It's like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's another story, but yeah, go um, on. <laughs> but we, we went over there, you know, around 11 AM and got, you know, watched the ceremony and listened to the, that amazing poem by Amanda Gorman. Holy moly. Chills. I just blown away. Um, yeah. Then the swearing in of uh, Vice President Harris and President Biden and the speeches. And we were able to do that outside, you know, with masks. You know, we had a lunch similar to what you did. We had to eat it quickly because it got cold because it's, you know, 40 <laughs> degrees here. Um, yeah, 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 so I think that's a, you know, kind of an example of things that you can do uh, mm-hmm. in this time. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, that, not for nothing, that inauguration was incredible. I sat here and just had tears in my eyes. It was so moving and just exactly, I think what everybody needed, um, no matter what side of the aisle you were on during this whole season, 
it was very hopeful and more than anything i felt a sense of like real national pride which i don't feel like i felt ever in my life before and then later on that night with the with like the musical performances yeah. and all those fireworks holy moly did your window shake that was like some serious fireworks those show. were those were awesome so what was yeah you know what was good about that was first of all you know usually there's inaugural balls and they're not they're they're crowded they're expensive they're hard to get into and everybody's in the tux and you get a glimpse of the president and then you come home and you're tired well can't do that in pandemic time so it shifted <laughs> to that concert which was so accessible to everybody i mean I tom hanks and the the events and we watched it up here and as soon as Katy Perry started singing, I got text messages from like, there should be fireworks, there should be fireworks. Go, <laughs> go look. Well, our windows don't look toward downtown. They look across our neighborhood. Uh-huh. We didn't feel them. I, I tried to like angle my neck out my window, but no, couldn't see you them. You couldn't see them. Or hear them, Probably but um, so my friends who live closer to downtown, as soon as I heard that Katy Perry song, they ran to their rooftops of their apartment buildings and oh. distanced and outside with, with their neighbors. And yeah, yep. that, that was, it was probably more than any 4th of July fireworks we've seen here in DC. Oh, yes. It was quite something. I thought the Washington Monument was going to rocket ship to the <laughs> to outer space. It was crazy. And we've watched that because, I mean, we're big fans of Justin Timberlake in this house. I'm sure you know that. Yes. Um, and we listened to the Justin Timberlake song on repeat. And we listened to the John Legend on repeat and the Katy Perry and Dem- Demi Lovato. Yeah. I, think. I, don't, I didn't know her before, but I'm a big fan now. I love that Bill Weathers song. But that fireworks display, Ollie is just mesmerized. We just sit there and he knows all the words and he just sits there and watches. And I'm like, can you, I mean, it's just incredible. I don't, like you said, I don't think even a 4th of July show has, I've ever seen fireworks like that in the, ever. Well, I tell you what, post pandemic, you and Ollie and Mark need to come up here in the 4th of July. And yeah. hopefully Kim can get to the roof of her office building. So we can see, oh, we can yeah. see, cause it's something to see. I know, uh, when mm-hmm. when Rob was working for one of the members of Congress, we got to go on the mm-hmm. balconies of the Capitol. Oh man, must have been incredible. You know, to, your, to your point about how he felt during the inauguration, let's you know let's not forget two weeks before, you know there was the insurrection and the riot at the Capitol. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was probably the scariest time ever, you know, since I've been here. Mm-hmm. That day, you know, we the Capitol is a very secure place, um, and but it's open because our country is open so if i wanted to walk up to the capitol to deliver a letter from my parents to their member of congress because that's better than an email or sending it through u.s mail all i had to do is go through mail detector walk up say i'm here to lose to you know representative davids on behalf of her constituents thank you for coming in there you go and look at the office it has pictures of kansas or of you know jayhawks and everything and you you leave it's it's a beautiful place and well, I've never worked on the uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, I have a lot of friends who do. We know our cousin Rob did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to have that place violated by a mob. Mm-hmm. You know, people died that day. There were lots of people who were injured. I-, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. And like a lot of people were yeah. um, watching that. And I was warned by some you know friends not in D.C. Like, I think it'd get really bad. It's like, oh, D.C. handles protests before we've protests are like a Tuesday here. Like it's, yeah. this cops are ready. We know how to do, we block the streets, all that. Did this feel different? Uh, very different, but you thought, you never thought that it would get out of hand until it did, mm. um, at least from my perspective. Mm. And 
you know, we have friends who currently are chiefs of staff on Capitol Hill and we're texting them if they're okay. And police were overrun and horrible, horrible things. And, and we just went through the second impeachment trial and there will be trials of the individuals who caused the damage and the loss of life. It's something that needs to be remembered and memorialized. So people know that January 6, 2021 was a violation of our, against our country. And people should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law um, for what they did to, you know, the, the actual physical damage, the loss of life and property, and that it was, it was, it was absolutely horrible to see that. You know, a, a citywide curfew went into effect for that evening, um, 6 p.m. Um, that evening. Um, found out that some of the white supremacists were staying at a hotel about half a mile from us. Jeez. It was something that was, you know, shocking, and you know that happened in the middle of the day. So yeah. we're trying to, you know, we're trying to work and talk and get things done. And meanwhile, I got, you know, got on TV and trying to follow it, but yeah. it was just, it's hard for everybody. And I think it was just another trauma for people who are on the front lines at the Capitol, the frontline police officers, the mental health counselors, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so well put. I mean, everybody, there was there was not one single person who watched that happening that wasn't affected by it. And and when you talk about therapy yeah. needing, like, you know, it was it was definitely scary here in Florida. Even you know, anytime anything like this happens, you think of it being a sacred building, a sacred place, yeah. and you just can't, you know, even though it's not religious, it's just this is where like the United States government does its business and you just don't ever think of it you know being so vulnerable to an attack like this and it was an attack um yeah it was kind of crazy i remember watching it and we were sending text messages we have a group of friends that go back and forth and it was like is everyone watching this like is this real life what the heck is happening and we texted kim made sure everyone you know thank goodness like you're all home you're not going anywhere right. but still it's like it's outside your you know, a few miles down the road, but you were there in that city. It's been an interesting year in general between that and like the protests you alluded to with like the Black Lives Matter. You, you said it yourself, like there are protests on any given Tuesday in DC, you know, for any given reason, but the Black Lives Movement in particular. You know, it, a lot of that kind of spurred around, you know, over a weekend and then into the following week. And the way I remember it was like Saturday night and Sunday night, 31st, 1st, uh, end of May, beginning of June. Yeah. Close. We, we heard police sirens one night, almost all night, um, about a mile from us, a Target and a CVS got glass damaged. And that was a little, that was, that was like a scary night. And then it's turned from that into a, hopeful is not the right word, but like, like purposeful because leaders sprung up for that and saying, no, 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 no violence, no property damage. That's not what this stands for. This is a moment where we need to stand up for Black Lives, right? For the death of, of George Floyd. And, you know, it was a, it became peaceful and hopeful. And then, then the president cleared out the square with tear gas, did the photo op by the church. If I remember correctly, there was minimal property damage or other things that night. It was kind of like a more night of more, let's be purposeful now. And then uh, our mayor overnight that week on the closest, so DC's unique status, we're not a state. We are a federal district. However, we have a mayor DC is a, a state, a city, a county, a school district, all yeah. in one. <laughs> so there's one layer of government for, you know, getting your medical license, getting your, your cosmetology license, or getting going to DMV or, you know, anything. And our mayor, you know, there's property that's federal property and district property. The closest you could get to 
federal property, that's still district property is 16th Street and up to about H Street. Uh, and then right on the other side of H Street is the White House complex, which is federal property. And she ordered the city, uh, the streets were closed because the, you know, um, protests and pandemic. And she ordered the city to write Black Lives Matter as a mural over the three blocks. And it was the very nice, beautiful, bright yellow um, that was visible. And it was, um, it, it was a step, it was something you know, that, that, you know, shows that it's, that it's matters. And she ordered the street to be renamed the, of those three blocks to be Black Lives Matter Plaza. Is that right? Yeah. So the three blocks between K Street, which is a nice, it's a, you know, kind of like the downtown business lobbying corridor of DC between 16th Street, on 16th Street between H and K. So it's right by the church where President Trump did that photo op. And K Street is uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza. And it is a, um, so I took Micah down there on his bike one morning, um, just so he could see it. What what I saw that morning is, you know, people using at public space for standing with the backdrop of the White House, uh, doing what they want. Um, saw a, a young girl, no more than probably 10 or 11, doing like a roller skating routine, mm -hmm. being recorded by her mom on that plaza. And so it became a public space uh, for people to come together peacefully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where protests and, and, the, and the movement turned from that point forward. You know, and, and this is not anything I'm an expert in, in and look, I'm a, I'm a white male. So I my perspective on this is, a lot lower than anyone who is experiencing real or perceived discrimination. The the public displays and things are nice, but the how change happens is is going to be in relatively boring, you know, across the country, city council meetings, state legislative hearings, when changes are made. Um, and that's where leaders of this reform in any way of, of policing and all, all these different topics are gonna to take place. One thing I'll say about, you know, DC is that you know, I alluded to, we're, we're, we're not a state. We have 706,000 people who live here and we pay federal taxes. We don't have representation that able to vote in Congress. And so for perspective, that about population that's more than Wyoming, that's about the same as Vermont and about the same as South Dakota. And no one would say, well, take away the senators or representatives from those right. states. That's crazy. Um, and so it is, very much support that's growing for and needs to continue to grow for statehood for DC. And there's a law legislation that's been, been introduced that passed the House last year and to try to pass the House and Senate this year and President Biden would sign it where it would you know make everything except like the federal monuments and the core of this of downtown to be a state. Hmm. And it, then it would provide for a representative and two senators from from DC. Um, so myself and 705,999 of my fellow citizens could have representations and there's a lot of support going on for it. DCVote.org, uh, DCVote.org is the place where there's information on the latest advocacy uh, for representation and the drive for, for statehood. Uh, it's a, uh, DC wants to be the 51st state. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of you know, things around town that talk about you know, 51 or, you know, uh, like murals that talk about, you know, 51st state. Uh, there's a, I think there was a bar called the 51st state. Oh, is that right? I don't know. I, I, I don't go to bars usually, definitely not during a <laughs> pandemic. 
but in in the bill that's being introduced that hasn't is is uh the bill is hr 51. i feel a little dumb i didn't know that like there's no senate or congress representative that goes to capitol hill or are you are you grouped together with like maryland or you're just no nothing not at all we're not grouped with maryland at all so for, for everybody who's a hamilton fan mm. uh yes the room <laughs> yeah the room where it happens yeah they moved the capital from new york city to the south dc being in the south right right at the time you know would you like to work a little closer to home jefferson indeed i would how about the potomac okay let's see what he says and that's where it is so Founders created a, a 10 by 10 mile square, roughly a square district uh, that included land from Maryland and Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, in the 1840s, the land was retroceded. I know that's like a $5 word. Yes. Um, I think that's the right word. Back to Virginia, which <laughs> is now Arlington and Alexandria, Virginia. The land on the other side of the Potomac be Maintain, still maintain the federal district. The intent was this to be a place where people came from all the states, did their business, and moved on after a little bit. There was never really intended to be a permanent population. Well, 706,000 people live here who are doctors, lawyers, yes, reporters, federal employees, but also you know, carpenters, parents, computer engineers, everybody. Yep. There was no representation for a while. We have a, a non-voting delegate. So this, uh, our representative, her name is Eleanor Holmes Norton. She's been around for quite a while. She can speak on the House floor. She can vote in committee sometimes, depending on who's in charge. But when it comes to vote on laws that affect the country, she doesn't have a vote and we have no senators. So what statehood would provide would make DC the 51st state. We would have two senators, just like Vermont, South Dakota, New York, Florida, and by population one representative. So just like the smaller states, I think Florida has you know, 29 or something like that, because you guys are a big state. So that's the that's the idea that's behind it. And you know, naturally Democrats are for it because you know, this is a very democratic city. Most likelihood there will be two more democratic senators and one more democratic representative. And so there's also movement to bring Puerto Rico as a state. They have a similar status of DC, um, except they don't pay federal taxes. Hmm. From Hamilton to 2021, still trying to get <laughs> rights for the rights for the District of, of Columbia here, and you know it's it's this is the best chance to do it because the House is Democratic, the Senate by the skin of its teeth because of Georgia is a is Democratic, and President Biden is signaling his support for uh, signing the legislation. That's very exciting. I guess uh, you know we'll see what the next year brings. When would that? Would it have to? I mean, obviously it has to go through votes and this and that. Like, would it be on the ballot for this next, like, for two years from now, like the midterm elections, or would it have to wait until? How does that work? Uh, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be on the ballot. It would just have to pass through legislation. Okay. Through the House and Senate, and signed by the president. It would be law, and very likely will be uh, court cases because of the unique status of the federal district. And this law actually shrinks the federal district and makes the surrounding area a new state. Mm -hmm. um, all the parameters are in place. We have consent of the people, us have voted to say, yes, we wanna be a state. We've established a, we can use our city charter to be our state constitution. We have a 13 member uh, district council, which could function as a, a state legislature, just like the Florida state legislature. Mm -hmm. Um, and then our mayor would become um, the governor. 
you're very knowledgeable in all of this. I must say, I feel again, like, why didn't you stay the path of government? You're so interested in it and obviously well versed in it as well. It's a good question. I think as I was starting my career, I wanted to diversify my experiences. What I've been able to do is stay close to government and politics interest areas. Uh, by, a lot of it's just by being here around a lot of people who are doing interesting things and through my work, the time at Bloomberg, selling software services to lobbyists and, and other people who are petitioning the government and, and being a part of a company that's you know, full of reporters and people who have to stay smart, stay up and into the know. It's exciting, you know, reading a lot of you know, news from reputable sources and things like informs the conversation around here. It's what's been exciting for me. In my current role uh, working at Avalier Health, I get to talk to Again, really, really smart people who are really in the weeds of how healthcare could change and how it's delivered in this country. Um, and it's certainly my clients help them understand that's been, uh, been what keeps me here in this city. Hmm. Well, you never know where it will lead. And you've got a lot of good experience. It seems like each time you switch jobs, you know, you're gaining a new perspective and you're dealing with different people. And, and you know, like you said, you're, they're in the weeds. So you're learning what that's like and how you can potentially you know, evoke change for them. Cause you obviously have very, uh, you know, you're very well versed in, in all things politics and government wise. Thanks, appreciate that. Yeah. But it's really good to get out of here too, because yeah. you can be, you can get into a bubble of just talking to the same people. So it's very important to talk to people who are not living here and physically when you can get out of here, because mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it can be a very stressful place too, but. I, I whenever we talk politics or government I feel like such a dodo bird because I am very ignorant when it comes to these things like I took government and like world history and U.S. history and but like I mean it just you living there it's it must be something that you uh it's just like in the, in the conversation all the time like you just you're living in it so you uh, talk about it. it it's very far removed from where we are it feels sure I mean it's First of all, you're not a dodo bird. A little bit. <laughs> you're, it's okay. You're, every, everybody lives their life, and it is a time where you know that's what yeah you know you, you bring people on to bring different perspectives you know on that, and you know living here you're in and around it all the time. It's just in the air, so to speak. Um, so you you kind of try to stay attuned to it um, for what's for what's going on. Um, but you know, and, and that was the. You know, point why I was want to talk about this is I wanted to let people know of of some of the things that are happening that are maybe under the radar, like you know, DC not having a not having a vote. Or while I don't presume to be, you know, I wasn't at the Capitol on the sixth, but just you know, it's important. I I think it's a little document kind of where where people were thinking who were living here. And you shared how people were exchanging messages and watching it in Florida too. And it's good to get out of the uh, same bubbles that we're all in. Yeah, I find I mean, they they call them echo chambers. Like when I when I yeah. I'm on like Facebook or Instagram, I've heard that term used before. And you get like in this like bubble of like-minded individuals who are all feeding each other the same like you know opinions over and over and over. And then you start yeah. to believe it as like fact. And it's definitely good to get out of that bubble. But right now, with us being very much on a lockdown, still it's hard physically to do that. So how how are you doing that really? I mean, how are you connecting with people? Yeah, uh, I mean, lots of just text messages of things, uh, just catching up, checking in, how you doing? Um, 
I'll see on Apple workouts that my buddy just ran five miles. So I'll give him a, hey, way to go, Dave. Oh, cool. You know, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? He's like, hanging in there, just keeping it day by day. Yeah. I think it's those little check-ins with people are, are really, really good. So I, I think it's just trying to find little ways to check in with folks, going out of your way for doing that. Like, it could be as simple as commenting on somebody's Instagram post, say, hey, thinking of you when I saw this, or my best friend from back home, he and I were DJ partners on our high school radio station back in the 90s. Oh, hey. <laughs> so, when one of the songs that, you know, uh, you know, I think it was, you know, it, it's Ants Marching from Dave Matthews. Oh, yeah. When that comes on, I think of him and I, I send him a text message like, hey, thinking of you, buddy. Uh -huh. so. Yeah, it's like super thoughtful. And, you know, it's it takes nothing to like send a quick message like that, right? It's like literally it takes two seconds out of your day. But just to like check in with people, like you said, just to see how you're doing. I think that's what yeah. you, you really during this time more than anything figured out. You know, if you weren't physically with somebody, am I still going to be connected to them like in this virtual world we're living in? And, you know, you had to, you had to put in a little bit of effort, just like, you know. The pandemic has made it hard for the, uh, like that, the people you would see, like, like you know, when you're working at Marriott, like your coworkers who you just kind of breezed by and maybe got to know briefly mm -hmm. for a little bit, like that whole category of acquaintances are, are gone. Like, like uh, there's a coffee shop near my office. I got to know the people working behind the counter. Just like that whole category of interactions is pretty much gone. Yeah, no, it's completely true. And, and to be quite honest, like that was what I was missing. I was like, I mean, I don't know if you could tell us by now, but I'm a social butterfly. And I, you know, when it was like part of my day that I would just like literally walk around the Marriott and like say hi to everybody I walked past. And yeah. you go to the grocery store, nobody even looks up. And I'm like, hi. But you know, people just don't do that, obviously. Like I was in a different world and different culture there, but you know, I did get to know these people, like, you know, and some of them were just a very much like, hey, how are you as you walked by? But some of them I got to know and I did miss that like so much. And I think that um, that's one of the main reasons why I started this podcast was because like, I got to know people and they had things to say. And we started talking about this before we started recording. That was like, I, I am fine. I haven't found a interview show that has real people like you and me talking about things and our experience and like everyday life. Um, you hear all these things about, you know, celebrities and, and, you know, it's great to hear what Oprah and Jennifer Gardner think, but like, what about, you know, Joe Schmo and Joe, me, I, you know what I mean? Like we're not, we don't yeah. have a platform. So yeah, it's been fun connecting with people and, and catching up. That's what the name is like really, truly catching up with friends and coworkers and colleagues that I haven't seen. And, you know, that we used to work together. Or we crossed paths, you know, 10 years ago and what you've been up to. Right. What you're doing is important because you know, we look to history sometimes for like guides and the last time there was a pandemic like this was 1918 mm -hmm. with the Spanish flu well the people who live that as adults are obviously not with us anymore maybe there are some folks who are two or three years old who are around who could tell us that but uh, there was not a lot of history that was readily available to it because back then people were like okay that was over we're done and now the Roaring Twenties happened. Everybody was dancing yeah, and celebrations. everything was yeah. celebrations and good economy. Then it crashed to the Great Depression, but that's a whole separate topic. <laughs> um, Let's like not but, let history repeat itself in that regard. Right, yeah, not on that part. <laughs> yeah. But you look at 
people had to like dig up like well, what did people do they like it wasn't readily there like reading about world war one or the great depression or anything else it was not readily there so we had to look up like what did we do did we keep distance did we how did that happen and you had to look at like okay well philadelphia held a veterans day parade and then millions well, lots of people died I, or, yes. but st louis didn't yes and I read that. Statistic. But the world's different now because everybody travels easier than they did back then. So uh, what I think what you're doing is documenting how people are feeling, how they experience things. Mm -hmm. And they did it at different courses over this year because, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting to the Rona anniversary now. Yeah, um, the Rona anniversary. Goodness. It, it's crazy. It's been almost a year. Can you remember that day when the world shut down? March 11th. Well, so right, you were saying March thirteenth. You went to the museum as as like a final farewell right. to the to life as we know it. <laughs> right. I took I took the day off. I went to a workout class, which was already at half capacity. Oh. Okay. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I I and I was like I, like this is getting like the NCAA tournament was already canceled. The NBA was already suspended. The NHL was already suspended. Baseball was about to cut off. They announced the kids' school was going to close. Things were getting serious. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I was cleaning out my backpack a few weeks ago and I found a, a receipt from um, my last business breakfast, my best bus last business meal, which was uh, March 4th at the LAX airport, uh, a breakfast smoothie with my uh, my coworker and I at 6 a.m. Pacific time because we were flying back here. And so I took a picture sent to her. I was like, wow, remember this? Yeah, man. She's yeah, like, yeah, it was a good smoothie. Didn't think it would be my last business meal. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah, and and then just a short, you know, week or two later, like you couldn't travel like that, and everything changed. But you and Kim are doing such a great job with your boys, just really Thanks. involving them, and you know, the day-to-day -day life of a government city. Just you are amidst all of these different representatives, and you're you're in this like maybe bubble, but you're you're teaching them and exposing them, and they're learning so much. Be just being there, they're gonna you know have all this really great experience and, and life lessons that you guys have taught them along the way just in their back pocket so definitely well i appreciate you taking the time brian any uh any final words anything else you wanted to share while we're here no look i mean for your listeners out there uh check out dcvote.org mm -hmm. call your member of congress to ask where he or she stands on dc statehood it's a it's an issue it's a civil rights issue to get all people who live in this country and contribute to it, uh, the opportunity to have representation at our federal government, you know, stay safe, wear a mask, stay six feet apart, but find ways to do things that, that bring you joy uh, and stay safe because we'll, we're gonna get out of this uh, hopefully soon. So when it's your turn, get vaccinated. And thanks so much for having me on this, for this conversation. Oh, loved it. It's great to talk to you. I've always enjoyed our conversations and just hearing what life has been like for you guys. And this topsy-turvy of a year is very interesting. And we'll see where the next year takes us. Hopefully we'll get to see you guys, you know, maybe not for Passover this year, but maybe we'll do like a Thanksgiving or something towards the end of the year over the summer, like a barbecue. Oh no, it'll be crazy. <laughs> it'll be fun. Fun. Thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your perspective with uh, this crazy year and hopefully we'll get to see you guys soon. You got it. Thanks, Alyssa. Really enjoyed right. it. My pleasure. Right. We'll talk soon. See ya. <laughs> talk to you Bye. later. Bye. The Catch-Up Time podcast is an original podcast produced and recorded in Orlando, Florida. 
Remember to subscribe to the Ketchup Time podcast to get notified each week when new episodes are posted. You can also follow us on Instagram at ketchup underscore time. Thanks again for listening to the Ketchup Time podcast.